Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal Pick and Pop podcast. This is Kevin McNamara of the Journal with Bill Koch. And we're here with our weekly breakdown of the uh, local and national college basketball scene. Uh, Bill, we, we got, uh, first of all, welcome to the yet another podcast, Bill. Kevin, pleasure to be here as always. And uh, we, we, we've gone off-site. It is the holiday season. I figured uh, I'd get Bill to come to the East Bay. I'm an East Providence person, and uh, we are live from one of my uh, favorite East Providence, Providence haunts. Um, not yet having a uh, holiday beverage, but uh, I've put out an order to my friend Dennis. And uh, Dennis, uh, we'll, we'll see how long it takes for him to deliver. To deliver. We uh, will be making merry very shortly. Uh, we, we'd like to be among the first to wish our listeners a, a happy holidays. Uh, you know, whichever you may celebrate, whether it be Christmas or uh, of, of different faiths, uh, we wish you all... You know, all the things that we would wish for ourselves, it's safety and, and the comfort of loved ones, and uh, you know, just a great holiday season. Uh, this is always uh, one of my favorite weeks of the year for a lot of reasons. Number one, uh, while the coaches are recruiting and flying around the country and the players that we cover are grinding through exams, we have, quote, nothing to do. I was at the Patriots game uh, earlier this week, and uh, but we're supposed to be having vacation bills, and uh, pretty hard to carve out vacation time in December, but it's a welcome break. Well, it's a little bit of downtime, and, and you know, in the spirit of exams, we've decided that this week's podcast, we're going to... Uh we're going to go over some grades here for our local college basketball teams. We're going to uh, we're going to evaluate their performances through maybe the first ten games or so as they sit here, right on the cusp of conference play starting, uh, you know, very shortly in two short weeks. And uh, so the fans don't get upset with our with our grades. Uh, largely, these these are uh, I wouldn't even say mid semester. Only if we were on uh, uh, quarters, we, we basically passed the first quarter. Uh, have three three. Uh, Three quarters of the season left to go, but uh, what's interesting is we've seen enough big non-conference games that you know there's not many left. Uh, there's certainly not many left uh, down in Kingston. You know, a few testers, but no big-time one. Providence still has to go on the road one more time um, before they get into the Big East play. But uh, you know, the biggest of the non-conference uh, tests have already been. Uh, by the boards. Yeah, realistically, we could give all four teams incompletes at this point because, you know, as I said to someone the other day, you can't really fully evaluate a, a team's performance until the season is over. Uh, you know, but this is just sort of a, uh, you know, maybe a judgment on where they are versus where we thought they might be uh, at this point in the year through 10, 11, 12 games. And we're going to start uh, with the team that has the best grade this, thus far, which uh, I don't think this is the team that we thought would have the best grade after after uh, 10 games, but the Providence Friars are 8-2, and two, uh, off to a very good start yet again under Ed Cooley. Uh, I wouldn't say borderline top 25 or anything like that, but they're probably another week away from getting you know a tiny bit of mention uh, in the national polls. I think more importantly at this stage, I believe this morning anyways, they're uh, 23 in the uh, latest RPI which is really exactly where you want to be after 10 games. No, they've gotten off to a great start. Uh, I'll give them an A- minus to this point in the season. Uh, had they won at Ohio State, I, I would have made that an A. Uh, Ohio State losing at home to Florida Atlantic suggests that you know they were gettable out there, uh, and that would have been a top 50 win going forward with Ohio State playing a Big Ten schedule they have. But Providence, you know, this is sort of – UCLA had a national champion that they called the team without – uh, and it was a team after they graduated significant superstars like Lou Alcindor, 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at this point. Um, you know, and this Providence team is sort of the team without without Chris Dunn, without Ben Bentle, without Junior Lamumba. And still, very early in the season, they've managed to carve out an identity at the defensive end. Their marquee players, Rodney Bullock and, and Kyron Cartwright, have played very well. They've found a legitimate third option in Emmett Holt. And if I'm a Friar fan, I'm very encouraged with where you're at 10 games into the season. Well, it was interesting. After uh, last Saturday's win over Massachusetts, uh, Derek Kellogg, who, needless to say, has been around the New England basketball scene for his whole life, uh, certainly 25, 30 years, he said, you know, what Ed has been able to do at Providence every year, both with and without, you know, big-time players, is he's been able to establish some roles. Uh, and I give uh, the coaching staff an awful lot of credit. And I, I would agree. I, I would go with an A- minus for the early grade, uh, basically because they really haven't won a game that is, whoa, you know, kind of catches just by surprise. You know, Rhode Island would be that game for some people. But I, I kind of had that as a toss-up game. It's at home. Uh, I had them beating um, uh, Massachusetts. The game that would be a bit of a surprise for me, even more than Rhode Island, would be the Memphis game right. on the road. I, I was very unimpressed with Memphis. It'll be interesting to see what the Tigers do the rest of the year. But even at that stage, I, I think we knew who would take most of the shots for the Friars. It would be Bullock, uh, Cartwright, and Holt, uh, with Jalen Lindsay you know, being one of the better defenders. Uh, with Drew Edwards coming off the bench and being a, kind of a, a tough guy guard, uh, with Ryan Fazika shooting threes, and there, there's your top six or seven right there. So, and I don't think that's going to change going forward. If the freshmen, Khalif Young and um, um, Alpha Diallo especially, can work up to speed, they've shown glimpses. Then you you have your you know seven eight nine guys, and that's your team. Yeah, Ed, Ed, Ed Cooley has played a short rotation uh, most years. With, with Providence, he's really only got to play seven or eight guys going into Big East play. Ask, ask Bryce Cotton, uh, 39 minutes a game. Absolutely, you know. And I, I think back to uh, really the one time that he that he emptied the bench was at Butler when he rode, you know, a, a lineup full of reserves to a, a road win uh, at Butler a couple seasons ago, where where he just sort of said, "Look, my starters aren't getting it done. I'm going to go with the guys who hustle hard here." I know Ted Bancroft was a big part of that I was one. Going to say that was Ted Bancroft's shining moment as a Friar, and uh, the first major minutes for uh, Pascal Chuku. And and that was, you know, you had some star power on the bench there, and and people might have been looking at that game and saying, "All right, what what exactly is he doing? When is he going to bring the starters back in?" But there, there was a guy named Dunn who he kept on the floor. <laughs> no coincidence there, uh, but. We've seen it before with Ed's teams. He's in his sixth year now. He's going to identify seven or eight guys who are going to play certain roles and play them going forward. And I think that suits his team very well because, you know, yes, they have some depth, but a lot of these guys are inexperienced. They haven't played major minutes. Uh, and the more you play them, the more they could get exposed, especially the freshmen. Uh, but he's used them judiciously and, and smartly, uh, you know, in the early going. I thought the Memphis performance w- was really you know, where we started to see what this team is all about. Memphis was averaging 87 points a game going into that one. They ended up with 51. Uh, and it was something where, you know, Providence went to his own in the second half. Memphis couldn't figure it out. And, and it was sort of, you know, it was nice to see that the players were able to adjust as the game plan adjusted going forward. And, and it was nice to see that, you know, despite the ball not going in the basket, that discourages a lot of guys. But they kept playing hard. They dug in and, and they got themselves a very nice win. Friars are back in action on Saturday. They will host Wagner, uh, a team that uh, registered one of the bigger upsets on opening night when they beat uh, UConn in stores. 
since then, they've kind of taken care of business, but uh, really haven't opened many eyes since. They've played teams tough and lost, uh, namely uh, at UMass. But uh, the Seawolves are not, not awful. Providence will have to play well to win that game. Then they host uh, Bob Walsh and the University of Maine on Tuesday the 20th. And then uh, they'll go to Boston College for a road game just before Christmas. And then it's uh, reality time. And, you know, for, for the reason why I, I'm kind of reserving judgment on the Friars is uh, the Big East is really good. Uh, they open at Xavier, at Butler, come home with Georgetown and Creighton. Uh, right now three of those four teams are in the top uh, 18 of the RPI. And uh, right now the Big East is the top conference in the RPI. They have six of their top 50 teams, six of their top 10 teams in the top 50. Um, it's going to be a war. And, uh, you know, Providence was, was obviously more, a little more talented last year and was 10 and 8 in the league. So, right. you know, it kind of puts it in perspective. Just I don't know how many w- wins they're going to be able to find in the Big East, but they're certainly, certainly going to be very competitive. Right. The, the, you look at the 10 wins last year, and that included a win on the road at Villanova. If you told me that this team was going to win on the road at Villanova, I'd be shocked. Uh, you know, you're looking at Villanova, Xavier, Creighton, Butler. Uh, you could very realistically go 0-8 in those games. Those are very good teams. Uh, you know, that's not to say that, that Providence won't nick a couple. They probably will. That's the nature of conference play. Um, but you also remember that that Providence team, talented as it was last year, got swept by Marquette, which... Lost to DePaul. Uh, right. And, and you would look and say, well, those are curious results. Um, you know, so conference play is, is a very different animal. Uh, you know, and I, I look at this Providence team, and, and I think, you know, last year they, with their experience and, and, you know, a couple guys who were among the elite players in the league, you were able to win a couple tough road games at Villanova, at Creighton, uh, at Butler... You know, those were those were difficult games and, and probably not games that you had down as wins uh, at the start of the year. Can you say the same this year? Are they going to be able to steal two or three away from the Dunkin' Donuts Center? Because the only way that you're going to approach you know, the ten wins that they had last season is you're going to need to get three or four away from home. Got to grab some road wins. It's uh, Providence has never gone uh, a perfect 9-0 and uh, at home uh, in the Big East. And, uh they won't this year either. It's just uh, just the way it is. But again, they will clearly be more competitive than I think most people thought uh, only six weeks ago. So, good sign for uh, for Ed Cooley's Friars. Uh, we're going to switch to Kingston and the uh, Rhode Island Rams. Uh, we'll jump right to it. Uh, it's been disappointing for the Rams so far. Uh, they've they've been very competitive. They've dealt with injuries, unfortunately, uh, already. Uh, however, they have three road losses, which. Uh, th- those are disappointing. You know, Rhode Island, uh, Providence, Valparaiso, and Houston, those were all games that at the beginning of the year we said, you know, if Rhode Island can get all three or two out of the three, they really set them up, you know, in, in really good shape for the Atlantic 10. To be 0-3, you know, that leads to, you know, grade time. And I'm going to give them a C, and I-, I think you might go a tiny bit lower. Yeah, C- for me, and, and it would have been lower had they not beaten Cincinnati on a neutral floor. That's going to be a really good win going forward. Uh, Cincinnati won at Iowa State in overtime, which, you know, you, you go to uh, the Fieldhouse in Hilton. That's one of the toughest places to go. That's going to be a top 50 win going forward. Cincinnati right now is 43 in the RPI. Um, you know, I know they're they're in the top 30 in Ken Palm, uh, 
Um, you know, but realistically, you know, this Rams team without Martin, without Hassan Martin losing at Houston, but before that you had Hassan and you lost at Valparaiso and you lost at Providence and, and you would have liked to have get one of those. They, they were both three-point games. Uh, and you would have thought that a team with, with this sort of experience and, and this sort of leadership coming back would have been able to grind through one of those. And, and uh, you know, now they've put themselves in, in a very razor-thin margin going into an Atlantic 10 that has struggled here early in the non-conference. Yeah, you know, uh, before we came on here, we, we kind of broke down Rhodey's schedule the rest of the way. The, the good news, well, l- let's be blunt, you know, at uh, 58 in the RPI right now, that's not where you want to be after 10 games. Uh, you have to make up some room when you're in a league like the Atlantic 10 because there's not... There's probably only going to be one team that has a chance to be in the top 25 in the RPI. That would be Dayton. They're off to a good 6-2 and two start. They're at 26. So that means they have to accumulate top 100 wins. They'd love to be able to accumulate top 50 wins. We'll see if that comes to pass. But teams like Davidson and VCU, uh, I think Massachusetts has a chance to be pretty good. Uh, Rhode Island's going to have to really make their hay against those teams, not against the Fordham's and St. Louis's of the world. The good news, Bill, is uh, Rhode Island's schedule is quite fortunate. They have two games against Dayton, two against Davidson, two, uh, one against uh, VCU, but it's at home, and uh, two against Massachusetts. That's right. They also have two against St. Joe's, who, who's off to a decent start uh, for a rebuilding team. They lost DeAndre Bembry uh, to the NBA. Um, you know, I, I look at Rhode Island's schedule, and I think, okay, you have eight games left in the top 100, according to Ken Palm. Uh, you probably have to win at least five or six of those. And the games that you cannot afford to lose are at St. Louis, at Duquesne, and home to Fordham, because those RPIs are going to be somewhere below 150, and, and those would be the sort of resume crushers that you get into at this point. See, when we say that you have a thin margin for error going forward, this is what we mean. You can't afford those quote-unquote bad losses because you don't have enough quality wins at this point to balance those out. You're looking at having to sweep Dayton or having to sweep Davidson. Uh, you must beat VCU at home. Um, you're going to have to beat St. Bonaventure at home. You know, those are all very doable things, but you know they've, they've put themselves in a position now where instead of it would be nice to do those things, you must do those things now. And you need to be really big fans of the Cincinnati Bearcats, you know. That's right. They're at 43. They're not at 3. You know, that they certainly could slink back into the 70s or 80s if by chance they're not, you know, one of the two, three best teams in the American, which which is a, a league that uh, is not at the, you know, the upper echelon, but is tough. You know, as Rhode Island can attest to, it's going to be tough to win at Houston. Connecticut, I think, is going to figure things out. We'll see. You know, Memphis is dangerous. Uh, Central Florida is off to a good start. You know, Cincinnati is could be better than all of those teams, but maybe not. I mean, they're not dominant by any stretch. No, I mean, then there there are some just some tough spots there. Like, who wants to take a road trip to Tulsa in February? Yeah, right. You know, I, I mean, that, that's kind of hard to get up for. Bring your pony. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, SMU. That's that, that, right. Who yeah. wants to go to SMU? They're very talented. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, Connecticut will get better. They have to get better with that sort of talent. Um, you know, the American is one of those leagues where the teams are good enough to knock you off, but maybe not good enough to help you, uh, you know, if, if they, you know, considering their other results. I bring that up because, you know, the way that the NCAA groups teams, you know, I think Rhode Island is going to have an awful lot of top 100 wins this year. Uh, they need top 50 wins because that's right. really who you're competing against is teams 
who want to be in the top 50 and be an at-large team. And uh, to have wins in the top 50 will be a little more challenging. So essentially, the teams that you beat, Brody fans, you want them to beat everybody else. Uh, you know, you want Dayton to go 16 and two and have their only two losses be to you, or have Davidson go 16 and two or 14 and four or whatever sort of math. You know, we're journalists, Kevin. We don't do that sort of calculus. It's too early. It's too uh, early in the year to, it, to break it, it all down. It, it but, really uh, is. But you're right. Uh, the metrics are top 50 RPI. That, that's the most important metric to look at um, of all, and those are the wins that uh, that good teams are looking for. That's right. But by the way, where is Dennis? I don't know. I thought he was coming. I thought he was around the corner anyways. and Maybe, uh, maybe after our last two grades. Here. Okay, we have two more to go, we two do. more grades to go. Uh, we're going to skip to the uh, to the Brown Bears. I- I'm going to give Brown a C-plus, only because uh, they did have a, uh, a pretty impressive four-game against Division One teams, four-game uh, winning streak that I think Mike Martin uh, found some answers about his team. I think he's probably a little leery going into the uh, Ivy League uh, play around the corner here. Offensively, I think he's very, you know, confident that his team's going to be able to score the ball. Defensively, they have big concerns. You know, they really have not replaced Cedric Quakamensa inside. Uh, that's not going to happen this year. Uh, they have some young big guys who are just not quite ready yet. So um, I'm not quite sure. You know, it's definitely it's only one quarter of the season, but uh, Brown's probably a little better than I thought. But uh, not quite sure what they can do with the Ivies. Uh, a C for me for Brown. Uh, you know, the, the two results at Mohegan Sun were, were a little disappointing. Losing to Marist, uh, a Marist team that Rhode Island beat by 42, uh, and Brown lost to Rhode Island by 7. Uh, and as we said on a previous podcast, this is why the transitive property doesn't apply to sports. Right. Uh, you know, Brown goes out and loses to Marist in a game where you know, Mike Martin, after the game, w- was very disappointed. You know, said maybe our guys might have read that we played Rhode Island close and Rhode Island blew Marist out. Uh, then they had a nine-point halftime lead against Albany and, and lost that game uh, close late. You know, fell behind by double digits in the second half and, and didn't manage. You know, to, to finish that one off. You, you would have hoped that they would have got one of those two. Um, you know, and, and I also look and I, I think I see the same deficiencies as you. Uh, defensively, they're going to have a hard time. Uh, I'm very encouraged by Steven Spieth. I think he's one of the best players in the Ivy League. I, I don't think that's in dispute. Uh, I love what I see out of Joshua Howard, uh, freshman forward. He is undersized at 6'6", but he, he's got a nice knack for the offensive glass, a uh, nice touch around the rim. He's given them something early. Um, you know, Brown, like Providence, you're looking for a third guy to step up, whether that's J.R. Hobby, whether it's Tavon Blackman, whether it's Brandon Anderson, the freshman guard out of New Jersey, who, who's shown some nice flashes early. Um, you know, Probably played his best game at Rhode Island. Uh, I thought he, he got to the rim regularly in that game. Uh, you know, Can certainly run his team with that second unit. Um, you know, And having seen the rest of the Ivies, uh, you know, I've seen Dartmouth, I've seen Yale, I don't think there's any reason why Brown can't beat those teams at home and, and give them a hard time on the road. Um, you know, they are picked eighth in the league, and, and I would be surprised if they finish eighth in the league. I, I think they're a little better than that. Um, you know, so I've seen enough out of Brown early to be somewhat encouraged about the progress that they can make this year, but not necessarily enough to grade them much more than that. My uh, lastly on Brown, uh, this is not a news flash, but. I think they're going to be as competitive as Spieth and Blackman can make them. You know, two seniors, right. a lot of experience. Blackman really has not played consistently well at all, uh, which is a surprise because uh, he's obviously had a very good career at Brown. He needs to be able to offensively be a, 
uh, a 12 to 15 point a game score and average his usual, you know, five to eight assists. Um, those two guys need to be there every night. They just have too many holes around them to um, to not uh, that not be the case. No, that's right. Lastly, the, the Brian Bulldogs. I'm going to I'm going to steal your grade and go with a C minus uh, for the Bulldogs. Um, lost some really big leads and lost some close games that uh, they just should have had. Uh, you know, lost a, a 25 point lead at Navy and. Um, and then the other day, uh, a competitive game, but they had New Hampshire on their home court and let that one get away. And certainly we all saw uh, a really back-and-forth entertaining game uh, against Brown go the opposite way. They, they've just lost too many close games down the stretch, which, you know, Tim O'Shea does have a very young team, freshman point guard. His best player, really, uh, is a freshman as well, Adam Grant. Um, you know, They're showing that they have assembled some good young talent, but it's just not ready yet. It, it's a C for me for Bryant, uh, same as Brown, and, and mainly because if you're a team like Bryant playing in, playing in the NEC, the conference play is all that really matters. Uh, you're, you're non-conference. You're not going to be an at-large team in the NCAAs. Uh, you know they, they use their non-conference as a fundraiser, really. Um, you know, try and make some money and some buy games, and uh, you know maybe get themselves some experience on the road in, in some tough ones. Uh, you know, I know they they spent a uh, quite a bit of time in the Pacific Northwest early here. Um, sightseeing. Yeah. The sightseeing out there. With The good news is they know that Gonzaga is good. It, 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 they, they figured that out. They could have told us that by watching TV. Uh, I saw that when Gonzaga whacked Washington. Uh, Lorenzo Romar may want to uh, be renting at this point, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, but Bryant, for me, I, I, I look and you know I see the same things that you do. Uh, the loss to Navy was a disappointing one. The loss to New Hampshire after you had a nice halftime lead was disappointing. The win over Yale I thought was really good. Um, you know, outscored them 34 to 10 over the last 12 minutes. That's a team that made the NCAA tournament last year, and, and you know I can say from being at that game, it's very talented. Even without Makai Mason, I uh, was out for the year. That that's a good team that is going to scare the top of the Ivy League again this year. Um, and I look at Bryant, and, and I I wonder to myself, are they going to be able to guard anyone enough? I know they like to play up tempo, and you know they like to play with the small guys with uh, Nezre Zuzwa uh, and Adam Grant. Like you said, is an excellent freshman coming in. Uh, I Kenan Nduba, the the point guard freshman uh, as well, another very good player. Those three guys will drive Bryant going forward. Uh, but will they stop anyone, and, and will they have enough up front? Uh, they need a lot out of Marcel Petway, the North Providence native. He had a very good game against Yale. That's not a coincidence. And they've really missed Dan Garvin, the senior, yes. you know, 6'7 forward. Uh, I, I think that'll certainly make them much more competitive inside and around the rim. He has the uh, potential to average you know, 8 to 10 rebounds a game, and uh, I venture to say that they probably would have closed out some of those games with Garvin. I'll be intrigued to see Wagner play Providence this weekend because Wagner is one of the teams that's picked ahead of Bryant in the NEC. Uh, I saw the Friars play St. Francis Brooklyn, who's picked seventh in the NEC, and having seen Bryant a couple times, they're miles better than St. Francis Brooklyn, in, in my mind. Miles better. We'll, we'll beat them by 20 points at home and should probably beat them on the road as well. Uh, so I'm interested to see Wagner in person, and fairly Dickinson was the other team who was picked ahead of Bryant in the NEC. Um, you know, if Wagner, if, if, if I see what I expect to see out of Wagner, which is a tough, scrappy team that's maybe not necessarily any more talented uh, than the Bulldogs at any point, I don't see why there's any reason that, that Bryant can't be, at bare minimum, 
top half in that league and, and, and not contend for a top three spot. Well, the key to the NEC is, is to be in the top four and get a home game, a bye, and then a home game in the NEC tournament. Um, that's kind of uh, what Bryant uh, established uh, for three or four years there a few years ago, um, and that's the standard I think that uh, Coach O'Shea would like to get back to. Uh, again, maybe a year ahead of time with, with so many young players, but uh, it's tough not to be impressed with, with the young talent that they have going forward. Uh, the good news is my friend Dennis has arrived. Uh, I'm, we both had uh, little Sam, Sam Winter, uh, just to get going here. So we're going to wrap up. We have one last question. Uh, biggest surprise nationally? So it's, uh, you know, Kentucky being good is not a surprise. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to answer my own question first, and I'm going to go with the UCLA Bruins. Now, wait a minute, Kevin. How can you say that UCLA is a surprise? I know you're an AP voter. Yes. And you, out of all the voters nationally, 65, 66 voters, had UCLA the highest in your preseason poll. Well, I appreciate you pointing that out so I don't have to pat myself on the back. I just Uh, did. That's why we're partners here. I had uh, UCLA as the seventh team in the preseason poll, and no one else had them in the top ten, uh, only because a good friend of mine out west had, had said that they have two big-time freshmen who will be impact players, maybe one and done, uh, and I I listened to my friends. <laughs> and uh, so far, uh, T.J. Leaf and Lonzo Ball have been outstanding. Um, so... UCLA is my surprise. Uh, again, not a surprise to me, but certainly a surprise nationally. Well, one of them, uh, you know, one of them is definitely one and done because Lonzo Ball will not play another year of college basketball. He is outstanding, even with that funky shot he has, which the, is funny. The matter it goes in, and, doesn't matter. And size wise, he's uh, he's he's Jason Kidd. You That's know, he's the a, comparison you hear is Jason Kidd, pass first point guard with great size. Uh, Jason Kidd couldn't shoot a lick when he came into uh, the pros as well. So. No. I agree. Uh, we'll see how far uh, the Bruins can go. Uh, I, I'm curious if you have another one, you know, on, the, on your radar. Uh, for me, you know, maybe the surprise would be for me would be Gonzaga. Uh, you know, they are better than I thought they would be. Uh, I, I watched a lot of that game against Washington the other night, and you know, I, I think I tweeted out at one point: if you're watching this game and you have to decide which one is the real high major power program <laughs> that plays in the Power Five league. It's not Washington. Not close, right? And, and if you're looking at the team that has the number one draft pick, potential number one draft pick with Markel Fultz, you would have sworn that he played for the Zags and, and not for the Huskies. Uh, this, this is an outstanding team. They've got size. They've got guards. They've got high major transfers. They've got you know, transfers in their lineup from Washington, from Cal. Um, you know, they can shoot the ball. Uh, you know, just, this is probably... You know, just looking at them physically, the way that they just pounded Washington into the dirt, uh, this is probably the best physical Gonzaga team that I've seen, uh, one through five, and, and and you know that includes two or three guys off the bench, and and the fact that they're in the top ten, we've seen them other years be successful, you know, go twenty nine and three, get into the NCAA's, but people have sort of looked at them and said, well, they're they're eighteen or nineteen, they're they're not necessarily legit. These guys are going to be a handful. Uh, they made an elite eight. They've made a Sweet 16, couple Sweet 16s recently, um, you know, and they're, they're primed for more. And at this point, we could see them break into the Final Four this year. Yeah, I'd love to see Gonzaga's schedule. My whole issue with the Zags, I think they've had Final Four level teams in the past, and you know, not to be mean, but they go into that West Coast Conference where they can take, 
you know, weeks off, really. Uh, you know, St. Mary's is going to give them a game. Uh, BYU is going to give them a game. But a- after that, they can literally take weeks off, especially if they have home games, and cruise while, you know, teams like Duke and North Carolina and Indiana and uh, Villanova and UCLA are getting tested, you know, a lot, a lot more often, that's for sure. Right. And then, uh, you know, the Zags get nipped uh, in the NCAs because they're just not battle-tested. It'll be curious if uh, if, uh, if I was uh, Mark Few, I'd schedule a big-time game. I'd schedule a big-time game uh, in late February, you know, uh, non-conference game just to see where I stand and maybe wake my kids up a little bit with, uh, with the big show around the corner. But uh, we're all set. Uh, that's it for this week's Pick and Pop uh, podcast. We'll see if we can squeeze one in before Christmas. If not, really, everyone... Enjoy time with your families and Merry Christmas.